Welcome to the Cosmic Dispatch, a show about heavenly bodies, terrestrial bodies, time, experience, and the relationship between all of it. I'm your host, Cory Nakasue. It's called the Cosmic Dispatch, and it is a show about astrology, but I wouldn't necessarily call it an astrology show. And I am... Um, an astrologer by trade, but I also do a lot of other things. And I find that I can use this tool of astrology in um, my art practice. I can use this tool of astrology in my therapy practice. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about me and what I do. Um, So I am a modern Western astrologer. There are many different schools and branches of astrology um, that people practice and study. And um, I've, I've been studying astrology for a really long time, like pretty much since I was a kid. And I, I've taken breaks from it, but over the last 10 years... Um, it's played a really important role in my life and how, I, how I'm in relationship with the world, how I'm in relationship with myself and the people around me. And so I thought this show would be a great opportunity to um, share some of these viewpoints and perspectives. And um, yeah, as I said... This is an astrology show, but I really wanted it to be friendly for just about anybody who who's, has a body and is on planet Earth. Um, it's not just for astrologers, and so I'm, I'm really hoping that everyone who's looking for a, a different way to understand things, the world around them, um, a new perspective will get something out of this. I'm also hope I hope you can use this time to reflect and go into your week with a little more intention. I'm also going to have conversations with people from time to time, some of them from our community, and we'll get to know them a little better through the lens of astrology. We'll also talk to folks who practice astrology and other forms of divination, art, science, community organization, and look at all the many ways there are to to get a different view of our experience here on Earth, being in a body, dealing with other bodies. I also plan to answer questions towards the end of the hour, and if you have any, you can email me at thecosmicdispatch at radiokingston.org, and I will do my best to respond in a way that is helpful and informative, or at least interesting. Um, so, how do we use astrology? Um this might be a good time to talk about my personal take on astrology. Um, I come across a lot of people who tend to automatically assume that astrology is some kind of belief system. You know, this, this idea of, oh, I believe in astrology or I definitely don't believe in it. And, you know, astrology isn't really a belief system, a science, even a pseudoscience. It's a practice and it's a tool and it's a language. It's just something to use, much as you would use um, math or, or the German language or a hammer. Now, if we're just looking at these, you know, discrete things, these tools, languages, you know, they don't pack a whole lot of um, emotional resonance. They're just things. And depending on how you, you use them, much like, you know, technology or the internet, um, that determines the, the kind of output you get from whatever tool you're using. So um, when people come to me, because I, I have a consulting practice, and and their immediate go-to question is, tell me what's going to happen to me 
or what do the what do the stars have in store for me? Um, well, really, they don't have anything in store for you. I'm not even really sure they care too much about um, the humans, you know, on this planet. They're really doing their own thing. I like to think about the cosmos as just another form of nature. It just happens to not be terrestrial, right? There's a bunch of rocks up in the sky and they are subject to their own scientific principles, gravity, etc. They move with very distinct patterns and systems and that's that nature. That's what they're doing. Um, you know, I think it's a little egotistical to think that, you know, the the trees and the ocean and the earth and the planets and the stars are, you know, very concerned with what we're doing at all. But I really think it's interesting for us humans to study these other forms of nature and to not, you know, think in such an extractive way of, you know, what is this going to do for me? But how can I build a relationship with my environment as a practice for building a relationship with our communities, building a relationship with society and building a relationship with ourselves? Um, and it's because of, I think, and I blame pop astrology, you know, the the astrology you might um, come across in magazines and your, you know, the, the sun sign horoscopes. Um, I blame some of that for the stigma that astrology has. I have clients who've been coming to me for years who still won't tell anybody that they go to see an astrologer because the stigma is that bad. It's like, you're, you're going to think I'm like some kind of a, uh, um, a flake, <laughs> or you're going to think I'm some kind of a, you know, a wishy-washy, like, you know, airhead. And, you know, astrology is not even a new age practice. Astrology is about as old as it gets. And I often think of it as the the Rosetta Stone of philosophy, where we, we study nature and we keep track of patterns to understand um, the natural life cycle of every single thing on earth, whether it's a, a human skin cell or whether it's, you know, um, a relationship, a project or a human life. Everything has a, a life cycle. You have a birth, you have a birth. You have growth, you have decay, you have death. And some of those cycles are very short and some of those cycles are very long. Um, so when, you know, you listen to this show every week at, at four o'clock on Sunday on Radio Kingston, um, keep that in mind. Um, it's, it's important to have an open mind if you actually want to open your mind. Um, and... There's this quote that I absolutely love that I would like to share with you from one of my favorite writers, Henry Miller. And he, like men, I'm telling you, a lot of people are really into astrology, even if they're not admitting it. Um, but he has this great quote, and I have this on my website that pretty much encapsulates um, my attitude towards astrology and the way I use it. And the quote is, Astrology does not offer an explanation of the laws of the universe, nor why the universe exists. What it does, to put it in simplest terms, is show us that there is a correspondence between macrocosm and microcosm. In short, that there is a rhythm to the universe, and that a person's own life partakes of this rhythm. For centuries, people have observed and studied the nature of this correspondence. Whether astrology be a science or pseudoscience, the fact remains that the oldest and greatest civilizations we know had for centuries upon centuries used it as a basis for thought and action. That it degenerated into mere fortune telling and why is another story. 
It is not to discover what is going to happen to us. It is not to forestall the blows of fate that we should look to our horoscopes. A chart, when properly read, should enable one to understand the overall pattern of one's life. It should make people aware of the fact that their own life obeys the same rhythmical, cyclical laws as do other natural phenomena. It should prepare them to welcome change, constant change, and to understand that there is no good or bad, but always the two together in changing degrees, and that out of what is seemingly bad can come good and vice versa. Astrology indeed might be called a science of relating, whose first is the dictum that fate is character. And um, yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. Um, I really think of astrology as a practice of relationship. How do you, with your intentions, your free will, come into relationship with your environment? Um, Yeah, plain and simple as that. So one of the regular segments on this show is going to be sort of a astro weather report for the week and so without further ado i'm gonna get to that and so and let me tell you december astrologically speaking wow i mean it's a heck of a month i'll just say that but um as for next week next week is i mean this week sorry this week is um is relatively it, it has some things going on but um well next week we're going to really drill down on the big astrology of december um but this week the big the big shift is mars leaving scorpio for sagittarius and mercury leaving sagittarius for capricorn and so those two planets change signs tomorrow uh, December 13th and when we have two relatively fast moving planets change signs at the same time usually there's a pretty palpable shift and when a planet changes sign we're not talking about cycles in this sense We're, we're talking about a shift in focus and a shift in energy so with Mars, Mars is is the planet of energy and action. Um, Mars is the planet that that gets you to do something. It's the planet of desire, um, individuation, and sometimes aggression and conflict, because it wants to go out and take action based on its will. Something that you know, I touched upon a little bit in the beginning. That's the it's it's the planet that makes you act upon your will. And it was in Scorpio for several weeks. Today is its very last day in Scorpio, and Scorpio is Mars's home sign. Mars does very well in Scorpio, but Mars in Scorpio can be very intense and and very deep and maybe even hidden. So when we put Mars and Scorpio together, we are sometimes talking about hidden actions or or actions where we're very interested in in power. Again, assertion of the will. Um, and so we're leaving that behind for Sagittarius, and that happens tomorrow. And Sagittarius is a is a very different vibe. It's a very different energy. The sun is in Sagittarius right now. So if you ever hear to me hear me referring to um, like oh it's Sagittarius season, it means that that's where the sun is. And the sun is where um, the light shines. That's where a lot of our focus goes. So the so Mars will join the sun in Sagittarius tomorrow. And Sagittarius, instead of going down and deep, 
Sagittarius spreads out. It sprawls. And Sagittarius is archetypally the sign of the traveler, the explorer, the philosopher. Um, Sagittarius has a lot to do with all the ways, all the abstract ways we conceptualize life and broadening our experiences, broadening our horizons. And so with Mars and Sagittarius, we're, we might feel more energized around learning new things, but not just, you know, learning new items of data, like little um, information points, data points, but learning about things specifically or having experiences that make us feel like our world is bigger, whether that's literal travel or or possibly reading books from authors from other countries, people who see the world differently than we do, there, there's more of a desire to have those kinds of experiences. Um, and the balancing thing, so we have, so one thing that can happen with Mars and Sagittarius, since Mars is very energetic and Sagittarius being a fire sign that, sprawls and spreads um, and wants to wants to understand life and really believe in these bigger ideas is we can get an energy that is really about trying to shove our our worldview down other people's throats and maybe pontificate a bit too much based on you know just what we're fired up about and so what I like about Mercury also entering Capricorn tomorrow at the same time is that it tempers some of that. Again, if you are going to come into relationship with it and use it, it tempers it. You could totally just say, you know what, I'm not going to do my Mercury in Capricorn because I'm really feeling this Mars in Sagittarius. But what Mercury in Capricorn does is it, is it forces us, our minds because it's Mercury, to slow down and consider whether or not something that we want to put out there has any real material value. Um, Capricorn, the sign of Capricorn, is very, very, um, very concerned with does this make a material difference in my life or anybody else's life? Is this something that's foundational that we can build upon because it has some kind of soundness, um, some kind of aspect of being tried and true? And so when we have Mars and Mercury making that shift tomorrow, if you can use both of, you know, those planets, you could actually come out the other end with something, um, with some practices or ideas or new projects that are very exciting and, and very um, inspiring, but, but also with some grounding. Um, the third big thing for this week at the end of the week is we have a full moon in Gemini. Now, Gemini is the opposite sign of Sagittarius. And when I work with astrology, I really look at the axis. So I'm never just looking at Sagittarius and then I'm, ne I'm never just looking at Gemini. I'm looking at the two in relationship so we're having a full moon in Gemini, and when we have a full moon, we always know where the sun is. It's in the opposite sign. So moon in Gemini, sun in Sagittarius, and full moons are a culmination of energy. It's the high point of energy, the highest visibility. And in Gemini, um, you can almost be certain that there'll be a piece of news so Gemini is, are these little nuggets, the data points. And then Sagittarius is what makes them a bigger story. So I would watch for that. I was just talking about the upcoming full moon 
on Saturday. Um, it's a Gemini full moon, which means that the sun is in Sagittarius. And we have these polar opposites looking at each other. And, you know, they're not really opposites. Um, they, they comment on each other. They complete each other. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's the astrology of the week. I, I want to move on to my very special guest, who happens to be a Sagittarius, um, joining me today. Um, hi, Angela, are you there? Hi, Corey. It's so nice to connect. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm, <laughs> I'm a little... So can I um, tell just a little bit about how we know each other? Oh, I would love that. I was just doing that to another friend. So, yeah. Okay, great. great. And and why this is such um this is such a like perfect way and time even though I do want to talk to you more later, more personally. So, back in in 2011, I think, this was about 10 years ago. Um, I was having a really rough time. I, I had studied astrology forever, took a big break, and decided that um, I should check out my astrology again because I was having I was having some stuff go on, and then I found Angela, and Angela was the first person I saw astrologically before I dove very deeply into astrology from that point on, and we were. And we became friends and Angela was going through some of her own changes and we were friends for a while. And then she decided to embark on an amazing journey. And um, so, so the fact that I'm doing an astrology radio show now and to me, Angela is like the quintessential Sagittarius person. Um, I just thought this would be perfect. So, how are you? Oh, that, <laughs> I love that. I, I literally was just thinking about um, when I first stepped in to your place. It was Brooklyn, I think, mm-hmm. that you were living at the time. And I was, I remember just being so amazed because you lived the, this kind of quintessential artist life, like the big kind of, you know, studio space and open. And I, I remember we were both going through our own stuff and kind of supported each other and had that friendship. And, and like you said, yeah, I, I had this idea back, it was 2013, but I didn't start until 2014. Okay. Uh, where I wanted to walk my way around the world. And, um, and I just finished last year. So December 16th of 2020, so going through, you know, so much around just having the freedom that I think we all had around travel. And then the last year of the walk uh, was going through COVID as well. And just mm-hmm. seeing that in, uh, in different places. But I'm back in Bend, Oregon, which is where I started the walk. And I'm doing good. And I'm, I'm trying to write a little bit um, of the, the story itself and in a sense, I'd say almost get grounded, but I, as we talk about Sagittarius, I think that's always hard, right? Because we, <laughs> there's a, in a sense, there's always longing for movement and exploration. So right. we're at it to develop that a bit. How did you know? I mean, I don't know if it was, you know, a practical consideration like COVID related, but was there an accompanying just like feeling of this, it's time to stop? Yeah, I think I think for a while, probably the last the last two years of the walk. So basically, if you think about it, starting in um, it was May second of twenty fourteen. So by the time I finished, it was a full six and a half years. It wasn't nonstop walking in the sense that, you know, I would stop in places where I'd meet a friend or or I would make a friend who was a stranger. Uh, I could be passing by their house and they invite me in for a cup of coffee or a bed. And next thing I'm staying a month and I'm helping them renovate their Tuscan villa or something. It was really, it was about the, I think the adventure and the connection and exploration. And I think for a while, I just was feeling like, hmm, it feels like it, I could be done with this. Uh, But I knew that I still, 
when I think about these ways in which I would walk that were feminine, like what was guiding my feminine and what was guiding my masculine, this masculine part of me was like, well, I still want to get four continents. So I still knew I wanted to finish across the States, even though, for example, I didn't get nearly as much of, of Europe as I wanted. Um, and I had lost my birth father and my, my stepfather. Mm. And I was able to be there uh, for both of them. And it was just a sense of, you know, with those things happening, it's time to go back to the States and, and finish. I'm just going to do that last fourth continent. Wow. Wow. So amazing. Um, so, you know, earlier in the show, I was talking about the, the outer, you know, the obvious journeying of Sagittarius but there's also and I love that I can I I can talk to you about this because you're an astrologer as well um there's a big inner journey as well so we learned a little bit about you know the the inclination to stop and we knew we know about you know wanting to see the world and see people and and broaden your experience but I'm also interested in the intention behind the inner journey, if you'd like to share. Yeah, I think <clears throat> I think with having some capacity for awareness around, you know, being called at the time to do this walk, which just to give a little bit of a foundation, um, you know, I, when I lived in DC, before I moved to New York and we met, um, I was driving a car <laughs> when there was public transport. Uh, there were times even driving a car from New Jersey into New York uh, and then having, you know, come out to the West Coast, um, doing a little bit of hiking here and there. But, but really, Corey, it was like, and not everyone, I think, can understand it when I say it in these terms, but it wasn't like I had a yearning to go walk. I was, it kind of came as this whole package. You're going to go walk the world where you're going to discover. And I, I think this is important in just in terminology. It's not like I was lost trying to find myself, but I think it was more of, I wanted to uncover more within myself that I could potentially do with the catalyst of connecting to the world in a different way. Mm. If, that, if that makes sense, like in, in some ways, I was I was always seeking solitude when I chose when it depended on the country that I would walk across. I wanted that solitude to go within, but I think um, for all of us, no matter what our makeup is, you know, it's using our connection, our um, expression with other people that we can then find and discover those places within ourselves that we probably couldn't do alone. And I think that's why the, the walk served that. I don't think I knew it at the time when I started, it was really just following this calling, this impulse that seemed greater, seemed stronger, more compelling than anything else happening in my life. And even though at the time I couldn't describe it to friends or family because it just seemed so off the wall, not only just in general, I'm going to go walk as a woman alone around the world, pretty much with a duffel bag. So I joked that it was, I was basically a homeless bag lady right. for six and a half years. Um, but that, you know, it, it, I just knew that I had to go do this. It was almost like this was part of your construct. We could even say this is part of your chart without me even knowing it. I have to go do this. It's going to fulfill something. But it is an inner, no matter what, it was the inner journey that made it worth it. Because now that I'm back in, in Oregon, and even though everything, so much has changed, you know, in, mm -hmm. in six and a half years, it's really the internal aspects of me and how I'm relating to people maybe that I once knew and, uh, and how I am being able to, to kind of express and explore myself in a, in a new terrain. Right. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Do you, do you still practice astrology? I, you know, I don't, in fact, well, I don't, I don't do anything for, um, like for a client or anything, but, mm -hmm. um, I was actually giggling before we got on the call and I thought, I think it's going to be nice that Corey's going to be able to explain what's happening with, <laughs> with, with some of the cycles or what's happening with Sag. Um, because I don't keep up with it as much. I think just because the 
in the walk, I let, I stripped down so much of who I was. Like I let go of my, my business, any, you know, any clients I had, I really just stripped down mm-hmm. to where I was just me, you know, walking in this body in the world and wanting to do it in a completely fresh way. Wow. Yeah. So, so I, I didn't get to dig into this full moon that's coming up in Gemini as much as I would like to. And, you know, we're also winding down Sagittarius season, by the way, happy birthday. You must've had a birthday already. Um, yeah, it was, right. the, it was the 40th, you know, how people say it's like <gasps> really when you have a decade, it was like, Oh, it was the 40th. Yeah. It was nice and quiet. Just a me and a fireplace and a drum and <laughs> some paint. And it was, it was nice because for, you know, most of my thirties, all my birthdays were pretty much out on the road, sometimes in freezing cold or something. So this was, this was nice. It was plush. <laughs> Wonderful. That sounds beautiful. Um, but what's so what's so interesting is that um, not only are we winding down uh, Sagittarius season and that happens all the time, but we're also winding down the lunar nodes being in Sagittarius and Gemini. And so for those of you who are like, what the heck is a lunar node? Um, there, There are these points in space and I won't get too into it unless, you know, that's a question for another time. Um, but there, there are these points in space often called the nodes of fate. And they, they are where the eclipses happen at any given point in a 18-month period. And so for the past 18 months, we've been having eclipses on the Gemini-Sagittarius axis. And that is winding down. I think in February, we switched to the Scorpio-Taurus axis. And we are also having this, you know, full moon in Gemini. But, you know, Sagittarius is involved um, next weekend or this weekend. Today is Sunday. Right. Um, so, so with Sagittarius and Gemini, they're they're connected. They're both, they're both, you know, a lot about the mentality and how we use our minds and feed our minds. And, but they're also about movement. They're, they're about travel. And so with, with Gemini and Sagittarius, the, the mental part of it, we're, we're trying to integrate the things that we're used to, the things that we may have grown up with, you know, it, as, you know, Angela was saying, you know, she was away and then now she's home and, and the, and how you integrate, you know, the changes that happen when you expand and then maybe make a return. Um, and so, so I think that's going to be in play in this full moon cycle coming up this weekend. Um, but also, and I think more um, poignantly, is as you know, we're, we're going through some really major stuff, just as far as if you're just following the news cycle. And when we're dealing with Gemini and Sagittarius, we're, we're talking about the big questions and the little questions. The, and the little questions doesn't mean they're insignificant, but they're the smaller questions. They're the, those bits of data, the information. And then the big questions of, you know, why is this happening? Why am I doing this? Why am I here? Why is anyone here? And, and there, there really needs to be an interplay for us to feel um, like cognitively sound. You know, you go too far one way, we get very ungrounded. We go too far another way, and then we just have, you know, piles of data that have no meaning. So it's kind of like the conversation versus the pontification. And and Gemini, we're having the full moon in Gemini, really wants to engage. And I think that's very good for Sagittarius that can get a little bit... Um, too into its own story and can sometimes not check by engaging, you know, with other people to, 
to really um, back up some of these beliefs and passions, um, which makes me think of things, you know, that I'm hearing a lot right now about cancel culture. It's like, you don't believe what I believe. Well, let's agree to disagree. And then there's, there's no engagement. There's no change. There's no learning. Another thing that um, is very Gemini Sagittarius. And so, you know, Angela, you went on this journey and then you decided to engage, right? I think, I think I saw that you, you've been doing some public speaking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oftentimes I think people are curious about, you know, why I walked and then, you know, what was the, the walk like? And then what were the takeaways? Um, and I think what's really interesting, you know, that I don't know so much if it's related to my Sagittarius, um, expression, but I'm, I'm definitely, um, an introvert. And I, so I often say mm-hmm. it's even borderline hermit. <laughs> and so it, you know, then to go out in the world, it was, it was stretching myself, um, meaning as long as I had these stretches, like in a desert and I could have some solitude, then when I approached a village or, or a city, like walking into Istanbul, it could be overwhelming. But I, I think there was this aspect of trying to link my, my body's memory, the way that my body would want to respond, like just, oh, no, there's people kind of clenching versus, well, I want to engage. And so this is, it's becoming a practice, right? Like this, my practice is how can I really show up authentically with whatever comes my way, mm. you know, what opportunity, like I always say, you never, you never know what miracle lies around the corner. Um, and so just wanting to engage in that way. And I think, you know, something that you were just, you know, when you're describing Gemini and Sagittarius energies together, it kind of made me think a little bit, and this is kind of even maybe a question for you, but I was feeling into how when we were moving. So it's this movement, the energy behind us, within us, we're moving fast. We're, you know, we're creating things. It's the holidays as well. Mm-hmm. So there's just so much movement going on around us, but within us. And it feels like those moments that we take to then integrate our mind with the body, whether it even be stillness or movement, but kind of that integration of those parts of, like you said, like, you know, why am I doing these things or what is it that I am showing up for? What am Mm -hmm. I doing? I wonder if those energies, that kind of concept of integrating mind body, um, with it, with this energy, with full moon. Your, what is your, what is it? She walks the earth. Yes. The website. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you can visit shewalkstheearth.com to find out more about Angela. And we were we were just talking about her experiences. We were talking about the the polarity, the axis of Gemini and Sagittarius. And and Angela was talking about you know mind body connection. Um, and I think it's a you know a lot of you hear a lot of language around body mind types of things like we have to connect you know the mind to the body or the body and the mind need to be in conversation and be in relationship talk to each other and by setting it up that way which i i hear a lot that they are two separate things that need to that we need to somehow bring together I think is a, a misconception of how how we work. Um, the body and the body mind is already it's one thing. It's it's already it's already together, and m- most often the case is we need to stop ourselves from kind of inserting wedges in between the two. And so, you know, we have this very um, cognitive, mental, intellectual um, type of archetype, Gemini and Sagittarius, um, but you can't really divorce it from the body. The second, you know, any of us have a thought, we get new information, we have a new experience, even even like a, a kind of more quote unquote purely mental experience, 
um, we're 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 having bodily learning. We're having bodily sensation, reaction, memory, nervous system adjustment to every single thing that we think. Which so when you know when you change your mind, when you change your outlook, you are changing your body. Um, and I think you know the more conscious. And this would be a Gemini thing. The more conscious we are around the types of things that we are taking in, things that we are feeding our minds, and you know, we allegedly just feeding our minds, the more we'll be able to integrate them into a a, a deeper part of ourselves, which you know is is the body. If we if we think about just you know the the organ of the brain. It's it's a it's a wet slab of an organ, just like your heart, your kidneys. It's it it's our body. It's a body part. Um, so I don't did that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, no, I think I, I really love the way that you kind of led into this space of it is one thing. Right? And we can't we can't separate the mind body yeah. or the heart mind, right? Yeah. In a sense that you know, I I like what you were talking about in terms of you know the brain being this this organ, and I think in the same way, so is the heart, right? The heart the heart is an organ, and so are the kidneys. But it's you know we have these certain centers and things that we touch into, right? Like where are you feeling you know grief or happiness? Like we can mm-hmm. place things within our body. We almost kind of locate where in our body it might be stored. But, and I love how you're talking about just how we get it and we wedge between it. Mm-hmm. So in a sense, it makes me think of words like tr- like deeply surrendering, mm-hmm. like surrendering to that connection where we, and this is a common phrase, but we get out of our own way so yeah. that the mind body can be flowing and, and communicating without us uh, trying to control that. Yeah. Yeah, and that's you know, um, say I I have a um, a body practice as well. I teach movement and I do movement therapy, and I would say that you know whether I'm working on a hip replacement, a bad back, chronic anxiety, or or trauma, I'm it's a practice of embodiment. Which, but that also doesn't mean that I. We're just moving or I'm doing, you know, manual therapy and I'm just like, like in the tissue or in, in the, in the, the somatic feeling of the body. We do a lot of talking and I do a lot of guiding of attention around the experience of, you know, what happens when someone moves a certain way or where, where an emotion or a, you know, a quickened heart rate is where are they feeling it? How are they feeling it? You know, memory, what memories are coming up? And I listen to the way, and here we go back into the Gemini Sagittarius. I listen to the stories that have been created around what's experienced in the body and they inform each other. And right, um, like you, it's, it's not, it's not just, um, I have, I have this feeling that there's a, there's a story, whether it's, you know, um, an imagined story and imagination is, you know, that we can, we can kind of toss that into the, the Sagittarian realm. Um, but there are stories that either, you know, reinforce what what we're feeling emotionally, sensationally, or um, or we can we can tell some different stories or feed ourselves some different information and have a completely new experience in the body. Um, oh, I love that. I, I I do. I love the um, well because also I'm. Uh, it's bringing to mind a bit. Um, when, when we're wanting something to move in our bodies, and this is kind of this energetic perspective. And I do, uh, what's nice is usually on full moons, <laughs> um, very classic. I do want to howl and dance you know, if, mm-hmm. if it's possible. But, but I think what's interesting is just when we, 
when we're touching on a story and how, in a sense, they, those are really powerful wedges and we identify so deeply with the story. And one of the ones that I think I'm personally working through is that there is a story that when we're feeling anything other than joy, that it's something bad. Mm-hmm. But yet, and I don't know if this ever comes up like in your movement therapy, but it's it's this place where for something to unravel, to really be removed or or let's just say moved through the body is to allow ourselves to feel it so it can move, right? Like emotion, mm-hmm. our emotions are something that want to move. So allowing ourselves, like there's grief or there's sadness, and it doesn't mean that it's going to go beyond the moment. But if we don't think it's something bad and then get wrapped in the story of why and how and how long, and and we can just let that move, then I feel like the, it also moves the story, it, it, it also moves the, the the attachment to our stories, so that then that that mind body is is a thriving, throbbing aliveness. Mm, I love that. I I love thriving, throbbing aliveness. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can feel that. Those are those are good words. Those are visceral. Those are visceral visceral words, and I, I really um, yeah, I do agree with that, and. Yeah, the stories. So for again, Gemini Sagittarius, you know, we're talking about stories and information, questions, imagination. Um, we can really, and and based on feeling, if we're not, if we're not comfortable, you know, with feelings other than joy or comfort. Um, we can do a lot with our questions and stories to stop thought so that we can stop the feeling if it's a feeling that we don't prefer mm-hmm. and and when we stop thought um we we stop the journey we stop the story we stop the aliveness for the sake of you know in our bodies maybe you know avoiding something that we call unpleasant and, and yeah, bad, you know, I, I really hesitate to use words like good or bad, like good feelings or bad feelings, because um, that's so particular to everybody. But when, when we get feelings that make us feel, you know, great discomfort or pain, um, I think it's really important to to build some curiosity around that. I know easier said than done, especially when we're dealing with things like trauma. But if, you know, we can support ourselves, gather support around us so that we feel safe enough to ask the question, to engage, going back to, you know, that Gemini engagement again, um, that's when we can do that very Sagittarian type of of growth and and sprawling there's there's also something um it's it's so paradoxical but the nature of life is paradoxical and i think the the sooner we accept that um the the happier we'll all be yeah it's confusing it's 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 contradictory that's life it's not black and white um actually a contradictory you know, life or experience is actually, I think, closer to the truth than um, a black or white type of experience. Um, but yeah, the paradoxical nature of reality, the more we can like expand our, our nervous systems and our bodies to just feel a wide array of things whether or not they, you know, quote unquote, make sense, um, we're, we're going to have a better time being alive. We're going to have a better time accepting ourselves and therefore accepting lots of other things and people and ideas. It's growth. Jupiter, Jupiter rules Sagittarius. Um, it's about growth. So... 
That's what so well said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that ultimately, I think that's what we, we all really seek, right? It's like this connection with ourselves and who we really are. And then the experiences that want to make us grow. Like I'll just using a little example. Um, I remember when I, when I first started the walk, so I, I walked from Bend to Portland and it just took about two weeks. Um, and then I went to, I flew to Perth and walked through Western Australia up North and I remember I was on this dirt track that was very popular for a lot of Australians um, called the Gibb River Road. And, uh, and it was like a corrugated dirt road. And oftentimes people drove it and then they would camp. And I, I don't know how long it takes to drive it, but I'll, I'll never forget this guy stops uh, in this truck. And I'm, I'm just like not so far away, like a few feet or so. And he goes, do you want to ride? And I said, no. And he said, but it's, you're, it's silly. You're like, you're in the middle of nowhere. I said, oh, I know, I know where I'm at. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, and he's like, well, driving would be a lot easier. And then he kind of like chuckled a little bit and then drove off. And I thought, yeah, I'm not in this because it's easy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm in it, right. I'm, I'm, I'm in it for the exploration. I mean, I think we all know, I mean, even any adventure, let's say you just plan a vacation, n- nothing's going to go a hundred percent as smoothly as what you had planned. And it makes me just think about when we come into these experiences um, where we're, where we're realizing that to grow, there's growing pains. And so that kind of reminds me a little bit about, you know, not having good or bad emotions. Those are these stories that we've created, right? That if you're not happy and you're anything other than that, like if you feel a little bit of sadness or pain, physical or even emotional, I think there's this resistance that comes up to feeling it because a lot of us have these stories that it's not good. I mean, how, how many, you know, how many people do we sit with that we trust and we can express what we're feeling? But as soon as we start to cry, we say, Oh, I'm sorry. Mm. Like meaning even that, even that sense of like, just to cry and have a moment of emotion move through me, I'm going to apologize even to those that I know can hold that. Um, so there's something that comes up for me too, around like that, the allowing of the moving of these emotions. And as you said, it's not good or bad, but if we just let them move through, I think there's so much we haven't really tapped into, into real health in our bodies and in our minds. You know, if we're just letting something come up and let it move out, whether it take an hour or a week and just letting that move through. Yeah, moving through, moving through. What will you out there, what will you allow to move through on this full moon on Saturday? Um, Wow, the time has flown. Thank you so much, Angela. And we're going to talk later. Yes. Oh, Corey, I'm so honored and I can't wait to catch up with you personally. We have we have a good seven, eight years to catch up. On. I know. And I just want to say thank you for listening to this maiden voyage of the Cosmic Dispatch. And I will see you next week.